Hey there, uh, welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. This is Brett, and you are dialed in to another episode. Uh, I don't have any major announcements today, uh, except to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Um, I'm releasing this literally the day before uh, Christmas, and I wanted to get it out because I feel in so many ways it's a a good topic, uh, the topic of uh, self-sabotaging behavior. And uh, I think to some degree, everyone does it in many ways. And my guest today is a world-class expert on self-sabotaging behavior. Uh, Jason Kristoff started out as a uh, personal trainer, as a fitness guy, um, ran a very successful weight loss clinic in Toronto, in Ontario, and uh, started realizing that people were not reaching their goals um, not because of, you know, not like diet and exercise and all that stuff, but more because of mindset. And that kind of got him into uh, psychology and how the mind works and how the brain works and all that sort of stuff. So I think, um, you know, we sort of spend half our time on this podcast uh, kind of meandering through that topic of self-sabotaging behavior, uh, why people put limitations on themselves, why we can never really reach our full potential Uh, achieve the health goals, the financial goals, the spiritual goals that we set ourselves. And we talk a lot about the subconscious mind. Um, We talk about programming, reptilian brain, and all that sort of stuff. But our conversation does also uh, work its way into the current pandemic. And more through the lens of things like compliance and taking a look around uh, at what's going on. And uh, we talk about herd mentality, right, and groupthink. Uh, we spend quite a bit of time kind of exploring those topics and um, asking ourselves, you know, questions like, well, if, you know, if people are starting to kind of question things and realize that things are maybe not as it seems, why is it that we have a hard time uh, bucking the norm? Why do we have a hard time going against the grain? Why do we not want to be seen as those people or going against the norm? And Jason has some pretty profound insights, I feel, uh, into that, which um, might help you understand a little bit more um, why you feel the way you do, how your brain works, and uh, also what you can do about it. Okay, so we or we spend a bit of time talking about things like toxicity, uh, about what poor diet does, um, alcohol, caffeine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so uh, Jason goes into some of those topics as well. Um, yeah, you know, so I think I'm I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with Jason. Um, I I sort of felt quite energized, um, empowered, if you will, uh, by the end of this conversation, and it really got me thinking a little bit more about um, behavior modification and behavior on a much grander scale. So yeah, I think it's a good note to end off on, Um, you know, just pulling together self-sabotaging behavior and then perhaps also group self-sabotaging behavior, if that makes any sense, you know, more on a global or societal scale. Uh, So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, As always, if you do, please share it, um, subscribe, leave us a review. And uh, yeah, once again, uh, have a happy holiday season. Um, I hope that you are, you know, getting to enjoy some time with family, with friends. Um, And, uh, you know, I know it's going to be a little different for everyone this year, uh, but let's make the most of it. So thanks for tuning in. And here is Jason Kristoff. Right. Hey, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Brett. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, so um, as we were saying off air, I think like, you know, you and I, there's a lot of similarities just in terms of what we're talking about these days. Um, You know, you're obviously in the health space, which we'll get into in just a second. Um, You know, so perhaps I always like to start out by asking people, you know, if if I asked you what you did, um, how would you describe what you do in an elevator ride? Um, You know, that You've got two-minute elevator ride sales pitch. <laughs> Basically, sales pitch or, or potted bio, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. Well, I used to train, you know, I used to operate one of Canada's top weight loss clinics. I used to practice uh, providing people or trying to provide people health improvement through diet and through exercise, through, you know, various weight loss modalities. And what I found is that no one would ever stick to it. 
Mm. So I, I became guilt ridden and burdened by that weight where people would pay me. I was paid well, you know, I made, I made a good amount of money, but I found these people, I would see them maybe drop off several thousand dollars at my weight loss clinic. And then I'd see them at Dairy Queen. Not that I was there, but in, in the town where I lived, you could drive by. It's like a glass fishbowl. You could kind of see who's in the Dairy Queen. And I'd see the customers in there, you know, whether they started the program or in the middle of it. And there was something, they were very afraid. They were afraid to be their best. They were afraid to be thin, afraid to be powerful, uh, and I found they were most afraid, once I started studying why, they were most afraid to be wealthy and abundant and relaxed and at peace. And I gave up that career. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And, but at the tail end of it, I started studying psychology, uh, behavior modification, uh, what we call mind control or mind programming. And I started to use the mind control techniques, just like any tool. It's like a knife, right? You can yeah. grab the blade end or you can grab the handle end. And I insisted on grabbing the handle end in the mind control space. And I started to understand why they were first afraid. In a, in there's, a, there's a part of the mind that the average person does not know operates. Mm. And it has a very particular function. It's invisible to them but it drives their behavior. It literally controls 94 to 97% of the behavior unconsciously, like under the water line. So I started to understand why these people, you know, that 3% of their brain capacity of their behavior was sort of self-driven. They wanted to be better. They wanted to be thin. They wanted to be free of their pain. But this other 97% over on the invisible side has its own function that is very bizarre and very odd, and it fully controls uh, how people act and how they behave and sort of what they believe and, and what, they put, what behavior they put forward in, the, in their environment. So I started to learn all these things to try and make sure people got what they wanted from me. And it was just easier just to not even train them anymore. I didn't, the exercise wasn't even necessary. The diet wasn't necessary. I would take that part of the brain and there's only a couple ways to interface with that part of the brain. You have to know exactly what you're doing. But if you can trick it, and I'm very good at tricking it, to mm. be comfortable being your best, I just kind of let them go and they go to the gym themselves, do exercise themselves. They don't have the, the cookies at night. They don't wake up in front of their freezer, Ben and Jerry's all over them, not knowing what happened. And, and so that's, that's sort of what I do now. I run a self-sabotage, uh, like a self-sabotage coaching school, mm -hmm. a very limited enrollment. We only take about 200 students every year, teach them how to be certified self-sabotage coaches. I, I believe I have self-sabotage coaches in about 30 countries around the world. And I also, um, you know, sell some online products regarding overcoming self-sabotage. Sometimes I take one-on-one -on -one clients if I have time these days. But that's what I do now. I try to impact the world in a positive way by releasing someone's power, having them remember who they really are, and having them connect again with their true potential by going into the subconscious, which is that part of the brain that we don't know operates and controls the behavior, mm -hmm. going in and having chats with it. And you have to have, know a very particular sort of interface language, how it really communicates. Is it really like the way we're communicating? Yeah. And you can trick it to be, you can literally trick it to be rich as opposed to poor. You can trick it to be thin as opposed to overweight. You can have it crave, you can trick it to crave vegetables instead of chocolate. And, and then, like, you don't have to strong arm. Like, my clients, if I tackled them at the Pizza Hut buffet, I still <laughs> couldn't get the pizza out of their hand, right? Yeah. yeah. So this was the only way to do it is to literally hack their brain and program this almost like a, like this hard drive 
so that you don't have to be there and tackle them at Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I find it all very fascinating because, you know, as a, as a practitioner myself who sees people one-on-one in a clinical setting, you know, I coach practitioners as well. And I think that's always, you know, you, we can talk about nutrition and supplements and what to do and all that stuff. But if your subconscious mind is overriding all of that and you're essentially engaged with a battle in, within yourself, um, I think that's like a huge block that a lot of people are not really thinking about. And that's actually one of the reasons why we're having this discussion on the show today. Um, because I think consciously, you know, you're, you can read something and understand it with your, with your left brain. But then when you try and implement it, and I think, you know, you, you said follow through, which is huge, right? A lot of people will start, but they will never follow through. And I think we've all seen that um, play out. You know, we've got a lot of practitioners that listen to the show. Um, I think we're, we're all seeing that um, both, you know, whether it's in our personal lives or whether it's in our, our clients and patients. Um, but, you know, so, so you've become uh, pretty well known as, you know, the self-sabotage um, coach. Uh, I think, you know, why don't we start at ground zero? Like, what would you consider um, self-sabotage, like if you were to define that for someone and and maybe give us some examples of what self-sabotaging really is. Well, self-sabotage is anything that gives you a negative result, but you keep doing it even though you really, you see it going down in real time, but you can't stop it. And it could be anything like joining a gym, uh, say for new, the New Year's uh, resolution. Oh, yeah. that's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming up, and then you don't go right. So, yeah. w- what's the conflict there? Or you bought a treadmill for your basement or another home piece of equipment, and you end up using it as a very expensive clothing rack for your nice linen shirts, so that they don't get wrinkled in the basement. Right, let them dry out. It could be any sort of addiction. It could be smoking. Uh, it could be overeating, eating at night. And there's reasons people eat at night. I mean, this part of the brain, it's probably best if someone really wants to understand that. And it's my gift, and I'm happy to have, you know, happy to explain it, is that there's a very odd part of the brain that literally is there to protect you. It's almost like a bodyguard. It's uh, like a sentinel. It really loves you, even though it comes off sometimes as organizing your worst life on your behalf. But its job is to look out through your eyes, and it does this without your conscious awareness. It scans your environment, and its job is to look for repetitive themes or repetitive messages or repetitive uh, stimuli, repetitive uh, beliefs or ideas. And this very powerful supercomputer called the subconscious mind, it's analyzing for repetitive content because it's a survival and security and safety mechanism. It's analyzing for repetitive content because if it sees repetition, it means more than one person is believing or acting out that particular concept or behavior. And your safety is a group-based event. <laughs> mm. So that's, that is the sole part of this brain is to hug you every morning. It kind of, I tell people, puts its hand on your waist very lovingly every morning, puts you behind it, pumps its chest up and says, hey, Jason, I don't want you going out there today until I do the scanning. We got to mm. see mm. what everybody's doing, what everybody's thinking. And I'm going to analyze what I see, and then I'm going to let you know how to behave. So it's like having a supercomputer in your basement. You're really not allowed to go down there. There is no door to the basement, but there's like a drilled hole in the concrete floor. Yeah. And, and basically, your subconscious mind is a very loving, very curious, fast downloading. And it's kind of writing you messages <laughs> and then telling you what's safe. And it's, it comes as standard equipment. I mean, if you were born in 1840 and, you know, you're beamed down into a meat suit in 1840, it still comes as standard equipment. It's scanning and it, it scans the average of everything. What's everybody doing in this category? What's everybody believing in that category? And it would say scan everything, but let's take an example. It scans how many children does the average uh, household have in 1840 and it would probably it's about seven in 1840 
Okay, wow. And it would write down that for you. It would write it on a piece of paper. You don't know any of this is going on. Yeah. It rips off the paper, rolls it up into a, a you know little log, a little circle, and pushes it through. And then it would scan other things. What's the average time to get married? And at, in 1840, it was actually 18. Mm -hmm. And it would push that through to you. So if you're in 1840, if you were born at that time, you would believe you could have as many kids or no kids as you wished. It was all up to you. This is part of the design of the brain is to give you the impression that you have free will. Right. And it's been proven psychologically that you really don't. And we see a lot of that going on today where people are following through on the repetitive messages or what they call propaganda yep. in, in, the, in the environment, and they're acting out behaviors that are actually inserted into them. That's what propaganda is. It takes, part, it takes advantage of this part of the mind that's always scanning, looking for repetitive themes. So if you were in 1840 again, you'd probably have seven kids believing that you made it up yourself. Right. You would probably get married at 18, believing, again, that you probably made it up yourself. And this part of the brain, which is protective, it's like if you do what everybody else is doing, you're, you're in the group, and the humans like people like you or, you know, like the majority. And this is why this part of the brain exists, is to make you fit in. To make the so you blend in, so you go along to get along, so you mirror and emulate and say the right thing down at the coffee shop, don't say the wrong thing. And that this is a really great part of the brain that's really helped us out until this point in time. And it works awesome if the repetitive messages are positive. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, obviously. So, I mean, a couple of questions that come to mind. I mean, obviously, from what you've just said, um, it's clear that that people are largely unaware that they're actually self-sabotaging, right? They don't even know that this is going on because it's just part of their programming. Um, you know, something I talk about always is a lot of these patterns are, are rooted in childhood. So, um, it's what you received as a child and then the, the layers just keep on going, 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 and then they get reinforced by your environment that, that's around you. Um, but why, you know, I mean, you, you just said it a minute ago, like this is a good thing. You know, th there's a reason why we have that. And I think that for a lot of people listening, they might go, well, it doesn't sound like it's a good thing at all. Because if you take a look at the world around you, um, you know, are we, are we surrounded by positive messaging or are we surrounded by, you know, uh, messages of low self-esteem or I'm not good enough or I'm not thin enough or, you know, we've got um, McDonald's billboards on the highways. So I feel like in a way that the, the messaging that we're surrounded, that we've surrounded ourselves with is really born more out of a consumerist um, mindset, first of all. And of course, um, you know, some of the examples I just cited are very much rooted in things like fast food industry, um, you know, the uh, fashion industry as well would probably be a good one as well, you know, so, so we're being reinforced with these messages of not feeling good enough, or not being wealthy enough or not being successful enough, because the people that we see around us are, are the, the, the successful people, um, the, you know, um, the McDonald's or whatever, these are the things that are being shoved in our face and all of the positive messaging is perhaps um, hidden from us. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts or insight on that. Well, you just said it comes in childhood and this part of the brain has been measured to download information like in an adult state at 11 million bits per second. And Crazy. they've measured the conscious mind, the mind we're talking with is the conscious mind. I'm talking with the conscious mind. You're listening. It can only handle 140 bits of information a second. When you're in the last trimester to age five, it's downloading information, looking for repetition, looking for repetitive stimuli at 90 million. So you, wow. are, you are correct. And the reason there's such an obsession to mimic the people in the environment and get your stuff right and say what you're supposed to say and believe what you're supposed to believe is when you're young, you have no defenses other than fitting in with the tribe. So you better have the same beliefs, 
you know, if you're in a, uh, you know, Islamic community, you're not, you don't end up Christian because of this part of the brain. You mimic because if, if you do something different, you will be attacked simply because of the way the human nervous system is designed. It only, people only accept other people like themselves. So you're also correct that we're getting the negative images. So the fast food imagery, and I, um, which is very common because I break down uh, movie images. Sometimes I'll even just break down a two-minute trailer. Like the two-minute, tra- uh, there's a minute-and-a-half trailer for a Robert De Niro and Zac Afron movie called Dirty Grandpa. And the first 60 seconds of that trailer, there's 13 imprints of alcohol consumption, 13. And the people who rule us know that the human behavior is very simple. What it sees that's repetitive, it will write the note and you will act it out. The subconscious is the director, you are the actor. So these sort of mind hacks, and there, there used to be cultures that would share this information openly, and all the plays and all the government sort of dictates or, or you know, displays would be positive, so that you would enlighten and evolve and progress your, the people that you were in charge of sort of ruling. And you can use, like I said, it's either the handle of the knife or it's the blade. We're, we're the, the people involved in our media and, and our governance have been using the blade end <laughs> on us by showing us a lot of negative imagery and we acted out. Like here's a, here's a real life example. There was a, a show called The Cosby Show Bill Cosby was Mr. Huxtable. His wife was Claire. Uh, Mr. Huxtable was an African-American medical doctor. His wife, Claire, was an African-American lawyer on the show. Now, during the nine-year run of the show, African-American enrollment in medical and law school went up 19%. And that's because humans, it's just repetitive. They this part of the brain doesn't need any other prompting to follow through on behavior than repetitive messages. So it would, you, you would only need two shows. It's shown to affect your behavior two repetitions or more. Wow, that's it, eh? That's it. So all Crazy. you need to see is two re- repetitions and then your behavior is going to be altered. And then after the Cosby show went away, um, and they would call that, there's a psychologist in uh, Santa Clara University called Dr. Jerry Croth, K-R-O-T-H, and he deemed that the Cosby effect. Okay, interesting. And then after the show ended, the uh, African-American enrollment, and, you know, I think it was all post-secondary in, enrollment, went down to post-Cosby show levels, and, and Jerry Croft and a couple other psychologists deemed that the Lil Wayne effect because <laughs> they were, the, the, the black community was inundated with negative role modeling. And even there was a, a show, a movie called Gone With 60 Seconds with Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage. It was about car theft, again, repetitive with positive yeah. reinforcement because Nicolas Cage got the girl. These are very dangerous psychological manipulations that alter our behavior in negative ways. So after the Gone in 60 Seconds aired in the suburb of Burnaby, BC, car theft went up about 70% in the first 10 days. Wow. Wow. We could do, yeah. So this is how powerful these effects are and if you're an expert in self-sabotage i always go over the shows that my clients are watching because their life is exactly like the shows Hmm. in in patterned frequency or what i call chaos connection through chaos disaster programming and the instability of the shows enters their life because 
this part of the brain seeks that because it thinks that's the larger tribe. Like if you watch the yeah, HBO show Shameless, your life is, yeah. is not going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny you bring up that show because I think I watched like one episode and then I was like, ah, like uh, someone said, oh, you should watch it. And I'm like, I have no idea what it's about. And I put it on. and I'm like, no, nah, I just this is just not for me at all. Moving on, you know, but but, you know, you bring up so many things here that I think are worth talking about. Um, you know, obviously, one is is the, the 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 world. How do I frame this? people are constantly looking to capture your attention, right? And this is, I'm talking about on a grander scale, on a commercial scale. So whether you're talking about trying to capture you with repetitive messaging through the news, through the newspapers, through media is one, but then also through pop culture, right? So, you know, you bring up things like Lil Wayne and the movies and whatnot. And I feel like, you know, I don't know how old you are. I mean, I'm, I'm 44 at the time of recording here. Um, but I would just remember as a kid, like the, the things that we used to watch were quite different from what was going on right now. You know, the, even if you look at the, the, the speed of the, um, of the cartoons, for example, right? This is a good, a good example. The, 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 pace, the pace and the frame rate and everything was much lower and slower. So when you watch them now, you know, given the world that we live in now, it's like, oh my gosh, these were like very slow, you know? They, and, and they've actually done studies on kids to show that now the cortisol levels with the new shows, mm. because they're so go, 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 and like fast, 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 your cortisol levels get jacked up, your stress levels get jacked up, and you kind of get plugged into that way of being, you know? But I think just to kind of tie up my point, um, look at looking at the messaging that's coming in from the external um i think that the, the the popular messaging right so media pop culture whatever it is um i just feel you know listening to what you're saying that it's just doing such a huge disservice um to to people on so many levels you know um that's one thing and then i think i'm just going to tack something on here because you've said it a bunch of times tribalism and groupthink you know, I would love to just hear your thoughts um, on, on that as well, because, hey, look at what's going on around us, right? We, we are firmly entrenched in uh, groupthink right now. Well, that, the groupthink is the basis of all mind control and propaganda. takes advantage of this very simple function of the subconscious mind to seek safety and security in the larger herd. And it's also being shown that what's on the TV does register in most people's psyches as what the herd is thinking or doing. And, you know, you can, an example of this, if you look up Edward Bernays, who was a master of subconscious manipulation, he was an advertising expert in the, in the you know, the 1920s and 1930s. He originated, uh, like Philip Morris, the cigarette manufacturer, came to Edward Bernays and said, we want to, get women smoking and, and there's reasons why it has really nothing to do with profit but he said look we're going to get women smoking so he made sure that women smoking was a repetitive sort of push in the media on one particular day and that repetitive imagery made started w women smoking it was it, mm. it, it's really that simple so group think is about you know, manipulating the need for a human safety and survival and security needs, manipulating it to say, over here is where you're going to find your safety, but it's an ambush. You can use this technology exactly. to yeah. kill themselves. I tell people, if you don't think this sort of safety in the herd can make people kill themselves, you haven't studied the kamikaze pilot out of World War II Japan. Mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they killed themselves to be better liked in the and get positive re reinforcement from the bigger herd so you're well liked you're accepted but you're also dead this is the major flaw in this part of the brain design is that i can with prop with propaganda i can make you think that supporting the troops is about sending them away, destroying your community and having them killed in another country, when really supporting the troops would mean having them stay home with their family and then waiting for someone to invade. Yeah, if something should happen, right? If something should happen. So yeah. you can invert thinking 
by hijacking the TV, giving repetitive messages, and you can implant thoughts and beliefs this way. Um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I, I think especially when you cloak it in very fancy and colorful language, right? You know, if you, you can use progressive language, I mean, this is what we're seeing right now is using language. I mean, Coca-Cola is a fantastic example of, of, as one that comes to mind, you know, you always see, uh, young people, they're super hip, they're super cool. The sun is shining. They're just having an awesome time. But in reality, people that are drinking, you know, six bottles of Coke every day are actually obese and they've got type two diabetes and they're not having a good time. You know, that's one like very simple example, but I think when you map all of that out onto what's going on in the world right now with, you know, pandemic and all of that good stuff. And and I think we might get into a little bit of that. um, You know, the, the, you're basically being told to do something that's for the benefit of the tribe. And because you don't want to step out of that comfort zone and don't want to be seen as the black sheep for fear of, you know, repercussions, um, you kind of, stay in there but of course that messaging gets driven home over and over and over again and we're starting to see that now where you know if you want to go counter to anything you're just an asshole basically um and uh, you you know so anyway so uh, i don't don't know if you have any thoughts on that and um yeah it's that's the i tell people that's the most dangerous part if you think copying what you see if it's repetitive is a problem like drinking coke because the brain, this part of the brain doesn't, it's been shown not to know the difference between real life, what's on the screen and mm-hmm. imagined thought, which is very dangerous. So if you don't think, I mean, if you think copying a Coke commercial and you will drink, basically when this part of the brain sees the Coke commercial, it just knows, it, it doesn't necessarily download the particular of drinking Coke. It just knows that the whole society is sort of unhealthy and that if you're healthy, you won't fit in. That's sort I call it the pick your poison society. Mm. You have to, you have to arrive and poison yourself on some level to be accepted. That's not even the most dangerous part of this part of the brain in, in regards to a copying what it sees. The most dangerous part is that once it fixates on the repetitive stimuli it makes a surgical cut of what's not acceptable what's in contradiction to the coke drinking so it would not only accept the coke drinking and the pick your poison society where you have to show up smoking vaping drinking junk food like you have to enter the tribe with some kind of mark or symbol that you're a tribal member in the unhealthy tribe Hmm. The most dangerous part is the surgical cut that rejects anything that's healthy. That's the most dangerous part. So no matter what your subconscious mind fixates on, the most dangerous part is the opposite of that is not welcome. That's why people with masks attack people without masks Hmm. because it's a masking tribe. So the surgical cut is made that you have to be attacked. The subconscious can not only program you to fit in, inversely, it programs you to attack people that aren't like you. Hmm. Now, do you feel, you know, let's just talk about health for a second, and then we can come back to uh, some of the things that are going on in the world. But if if we're talking about health, do you feel that um, people then are kind of locked into the what their friends and family and community are doing, if that makes sense. So let's just say, for example, um, you know, you, you have a group of friends and everyone loves to, um, they love to drink a lot just as an example, right? So now we all like to drink a lot. And of course, what then happens is as time goes by, if you're the person that then decides, well, gee, I want to stop drinking. Well, now what, right? So now you're kind of challenged with this, like, well, what happens if I, if I do stop, then what are people going to think of me, right? And if I do stop, am I still going to be friends with them? Am I going to be able to relate to them because the connection has been made through drinking or smoking weed or going for fast food or whatever, whatever that thing is, right? Whatever the, the self-sabotaging behavior is. And I think, um, you know, from the health perspective, do you feel like that type of thinking and that type of patterning is the reason why people can't follow through to really achieve their like highest potential or their ideal weight or get over their illness or whatever? Yeah, guaranteed. I mean, people are afraid to be different. And so 
if everybody else is sort of a human mess and they're not, they don't have the strength and in our path, they don't have the strength to be different. And the word alone is derived from the, the French word loon, which means moon. And that's where you get the word lunatic or, you know, loon ball, because being alone is very scary for someone who kind of hasn't developed the inner strength in their psyche. We all have the potential. In ancient Sparta, in Greece, they were very well aware of this part of the brain that was a go-along to get along, sort of a child-based, I'm going to be your friend by making you like me, a people pleaser. And that didn't make for good warriors, and it didn't no. make for good <laughs> leaders. Mm. So what they would do with the 14-year-old males, they would put, say, everybody knew when you turned 14 from your birth that day, you had to leave the tribe outside the stone walls of Sparta, which are really dangerous with gray wolves, and you had to survive for seven days, and you were allowed to come back in as a man. And during the seven days, you, it was a rite of passage from a child to an adult that directly sort of modified or put away this part, this people-pleasing, uh, dependent part of the brain, where to survive seven days out in ancient Sparta, outside the stone walls, you're going to have to think on your own. And it came in handy when you came back, if someone disagreed with you, the fear is being alone. That's the fear that you're by yourself outside the herd. They put the person purposely outside the herd for the seven days to give them the experience that it's not that scary. Okay. So yeah. that when they, they would come back, you know, if you had two leaders debating and, you, you know, you're not supposed to feel that you're, you're not supposed to take a knee to something you don't agree with in your full adult power. And if you do, it's because you're afraid to be alone. So if someone said, well, you're banished for not really agreeing with us, the person who went through this rite of passage would say, that's okay. I survived for seven days out there on my yeah, own. I can yeah. do it again. No problem. I start a fire. I sleep in, I sleep in the trees. I know where the water is. I know where to take a, go to the bathroom. It's okay. So, so, so I mean, do, do you feel then, you know, a couple of things come to mind here. I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, you and I both connected to a ton of people that are in the, the, the freedom movement or the sovereignty movement or whatever you want to call it. And I, I, I think that a lot of people are feeling alone right now because, you know, I live in a small town, you live in a small town, you know, so when you're walking around and, and you don't want to comply to things and you, you don't agree with them, you are ostracized in a sense. And, and I think that for, a lot of people, you know, they, there's a mental drain, like there's a, there's, there's this, this heaviness, um, almost like this depression that is kind of setting in because you feel like there, there are no tribe members that are around you to sort of say, Hey man, if I just had like five people, oh, this would be so good. Right. But I'm by myself. So when you walk out there, you literally put a target on your back and you have to be strong enough and resilient enough to, to deal with the backlash. But I think that most people aren't, you, you know, and, and I, I, I don't know if you have any insights on that. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if you have any comments on that at all. That's why I teach the full strength now. So we start with explaining this part of the brain so that when someone feels afraid, someone attacks them on a Facebook post, it's good for them to know that it's natural to feel like afraid if you're going to be pushed out the tribe or if you don't belong. For the first time, the person knows it's completely natural. Then we start reprogramming them that we help them make that rite of passage from child to adult to start developing their inner strength and knowing that, yeah, maybe 25,000 years ago, if you got ostracized outside the castle walls, you probably died. But now it's, it's just an old remnant of uh, like, it's not really the best program to be running. You don't have to take a knee to corruption and you shouldn't. It's just like the kamikaze pilot. People that are taking a knee to the corruption today, they're getting tricked to hurt themselves by this safety mechanism. They're saying it's going to be safer when all your business is closing your town. You know, talk to an economist. You're not going to be safer. It's no. a trick. And you're not safer breathing through any 
fabric. You, you don't need a medical degree to know you have, you know, why you have a mouth and a set of lungs. And even if it reduces your breathing capacity by 10%, someone who maximizes their health, it doesn't matter if it's 5%, it, it makes you unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to have your own ideas or you, the strength to have your own ideas or you just repeat what the TV is saying because it, it, it gets you more adoration and positive reinforcement down at the coffee shop. I mean, if our own authorities kill, uh, cared about our health, so they say a lot of things come under the flag of health and safety, well, alcohol kills is, uh, 7 million people a year, 7 uh, sorry, cigarettes kill 7 million, alcohol kills 3, junk food kills 11 million people every year, that's 21 million people di- dying prematurely on a planet where 57 million people die every year. we got 21 million getting sort of blasted off the planet prematurely by alcohol, cigarettes, and junk food, yet the junk food you know, is flowing, the liquor is flowing, and someone's like, I can't believe you said that. If someone feels shocked that I said that, it's because it's a you're feeling the fear that you think I'm feeling speaking against the tribe. But I'm a I've developed my power. I'm very strong. If you're asking, I'm fifty almost fifty-one years old. I do right on. not okay. dye my hair. I do not <laughs> dye my beard. Um, I'm, I lift very, very heavy weights. I, I'm a boxer. Uh, I know Krav Maga. I'm financially fit. I'm spiritually fit. So the lion only goes after the possum. It doesn't go after the porcupine. So if people are, our society has, by the use of this subconscious reprogramming technology that's very prolific in our media today and government releases has made put our society in a comfort coma made them purposely weak and that weak societies this week where people take a knee to corruption because they don't have the financial physical or spiritual power to push back this kind of society attracts evil like rotten meat attracts the maggot. Hmm. And this is, this is the exact issue that we're in right now, is that all the repetitive images and repetitive signaling and messages that we're getting from our screens, which, you, which used to be the public square, by the way, these are public squares or rectangles inside our houses, letting us know what the king and queen, uh, the repetitive messages there, everything we're getting is very similar to what tricks a kamikaze pilot to kill themselves. There's no safety to be found in destroying our society or destroying our health. It's, it's an illusion. It's yeah. a smoke and mirror show. So yeah. people have to understand that self-sabotage gives you a segue into analyzing anything you see on the TV so that you know if it's there to, to give you, to lift you up, or to drag you down. Very important people learn, you know, how the brain is hacked and and look at the repetitive messages. If we fulfill them, if we take them out to the nth degree, where are we going here? Is the society going to be better? And I don't think anybody um, who studied this, who studies this currently, will ever say that we're going in a positive direction right now. No. Well, look, if anyone wants to know what the future looks like, I would encourage them to look at the history of South Africa, which is where I'm from. Um, We got about a 25-year jump on all of this stuff. Um, So you can just take a look at what's going on over there is one. Uh, The second one, I think, um, you know, a news report just came out today, uh, taking a look at what's gone on in Melbourne. Uh, So Melbourne, you know, has now... uh, emerged victorious, um, air quotes for those listening to the podcast. Um, and uh, it turns out that, you know, yes, they've got two new cases per day. I'm not even going to get into all of the, the testing and the blah, blah, blahs, all of that crap. Okay. But, um, so they, they got two cases per day now, right? But here's the collateral damage that no one wants to talk about is 1200 job losses per day 
per day over the course of months of lockdown, a $6.3 billion loss to their local economy. And I mean, mental health, suicides, alcoholism, domestic violence, the list just keeps on going on. And so I think that unfortunately, people are not looking at the whole picture when it comes to that. You know, we're myopically focused on this um, infectious disease that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, is is not a giant killer by any stretch. But I feel that... um, so I mean that that's basically what what is what is going on, and that's what's going to come down the pipeline for any other countries and cities that are going to have indefinite periods of of lockdown because you cannot um, think that by cowering away and staying you know stuck inside with a mask strapped to your face or whatever the virus is here to stay like it's not going anywhere and and we actually have so many viruses in our environment that scientists can't even count them all so we are literally surrounded by hundreds of millions who knows right or more. Um, viruses and pathogens in our environment. Um, but but I want to shift the conversation a little bit because, you know, having said all of this, um, do you have some some tips or some insight on how people can actually empower themselves? You know, so, so yeah, like, like go, go for it. You know, I'll hand over the mic to you. Well, the first thing, I mean, this part of the brain um, is about safety in the herd. And I'll give you an example, and then I'll explain why it's going to lead into a solution. If you are a wolf and you are in a little bit of a tussle with another animal and you get maybe a little cut on the leg, if you study the wolf when they return to the wolf pack, they go right to the middle because they, they can't weather an attack from another animal. So they're relying on the herd. They can't be independent. They're very clingy to the herd yeah. when you're injured. Now, today, our most common form of injury is uh, poisoning uh, yourself with junk food, alcohol. Coffee has its own category. Caffeine and coffee trigger a part of the brain that associates uh, electrical activity with being heavily injured. Hmm. People who drink caffeine will be very clingy to the tribal sort of repetitive messages through media, more clingy than the non-caffeinated drinker. And it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or junk food or caffeine or anything that's non-natural, it has an injury effect on the body. And when you're injured, you feel too weak to go against the herd, so you're going to comply automatically. You're going to have a reflexively uh, obedient reaction toward what sort of orders or dictates are being repetitively thrown at you out of the TV. So if you want to find your strength and you want to find a new perspective on the same world you're always engaging in, you have to sort of start removing poisons from your lifestyle. And it's been shown that if you have one eight-ounce cup of coffee, it triggers the injury effect, which is an activation of what's called the limbic system, the fight or flight, or they call it sometimes the R complex, the R standing for reptilian, you know, it's the reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. It will activate your fight or flight, although the caffeine has a half-life of 12 hours and the caffeine will cycle out of your system if your liver is good in about 24 hours. But you activate your limbic system for three weeks out from that one. Oh, wow. Okay. So you are heavily, it's, it's a psychoactive drug that makes you more compliant to the tribal rituals, customs, and the stimuli that you're seeing. You're not going to feel strong enough to go against the herd. So if the herd says this, you're going to go, you're more prone to go with the herd Even if it's on the kamikaze pathway, you're very prone to go with it if you're toxic. Right. I want to to just interrupt and ask you one question. Is this this despite your conscious mind knowing that that, that what's going on around you is not right? No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think this is very important, right? Because there's, there's, I think there's, there's now a growing body of people who are going, you know, something's not right. Like th- there's something that's not adding up here, but, 
am I going to be that person who's just going to buck the norm now? Am I going to be the person who goes against the herd? And I think there's a, the majority of people now are kind of finding themselves in the middle there where they're like, well, I don't want to get into confrontations. I don't want to fight with people. I don't want to fight with my neighbor. I don't want to lose my friends. So I'm just going to like go along with it. And, you know, so I think what you're saying as well is, is when you double down on that, uh, you know, with junk foods, booze, cigarettes, weed, whatever it is. And, and of course, now we've got old uh, D- Doug Fraud over here um, who's advertising McDonald's French fries. Um, you know, everyone should go and pick that up. Uh, yeah, for the, for the Ronald McDonald house. Quite, and, and when you're the, the subconscious part of the brain wouldn't even question that because this part of the brain, the, this is the funny part, if fitting in makes you depressed, overweight, and broke, mm. you're going to be overweight and broke. <laughs> that's just yeah. that that, that's That's yeah. quite a profound statement and very simple, actually, when you really think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, you can have a meeting with it. I call, you can call a huddle with it and saying, look, you know, I'm kind of tired of being overweight. I'm tired of being broke. Could we like gear down on the, on the mimicking and copying and mirroring of everybody? I'm strong enough to be safe without that. And uh, you could have a huddle. It's going to say, look, I really appreciate it. I'm in charge of your safety. If you're looking for happiness and wealth and abundance, you're going to have to take your complaint down to another department. My, I'm, I'm the fitting in guy. And uh, according to my downloads, everybody's overweight, everybody's depressed, and everybody's broke. So you're going to be overweight, depressed, and broke. I'm really sorry. That's just the way my, this is how I roll in this department. And that's the scary part. Unless you know how to talk to it, it's easier to talk to when it's not toxic. But unless you know how to interface with it, if anybody wants to email me, I, I, I don't do one-on-one anymore, but I got a very inexpensive a four-hour a lecture uh, that will literally blow your mind because I review movie clips, commercials. Uh, I review the colors in, in government announcements that also have a very big impact on your behavior without your knowledge. I review all that on screen. If anybody wants potentially that program, they can yeah. email Jason at freedomfromselfsabotage.com and you know, get some duct tape because you'll need it to put your job. <laughs> I'll show you stuff about your TV and the programs you watch, and I will show you what's in the background. As a self-sabotage coach, I do not watch the center, central focus. I do not watch the actors. I watch the background. I become mm-hmm. the subconscious, and I point stuff out, and you will be baffled. Um, well, you know, uh, any, anything else you think, um, Jason, just in terms of empowering people? I mean, obviously living a cleaner life, getting you know, rid of junk foods and stimulants and whatever else. Um, anything else uh, that you feel you want to share with people just in terms of tips or tools to really take back their power? Yeah, well, this part of the brain is based on repetitive uh, symbols and messages. So give it repetitive positive images only. Mm. Uh, I, I show people how to make vision boards and dream boards you want positive podcasts, you want positive everything, positive inner self dialogue, phrases around your house, positive pictures of your family or things that get your emotions flowing in a positive way. But be very careful. Do not water it down. Like you can't, and hypnosis works the best. So if you want the best hypnotherapist in the world, Marissa Peer. Marissa Peer, P-E-E-R, I think. Is that how you spell her last name? I'm, That's right. I will look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marissa Peer, she's the best hypnotherapist. She's got great hypnotherapy. But you can't do any of this stuff. You can't engage in the positive repetitive imagery where you take control of your own programming. You can't do that and water it down. You can't go watch Game of Thrones. You yeah. can't go watch Avengers Affinity Wars where Thanos kills his own daughter, Gamora, throwing her off the mountain. And I'll guarantee you, you don't understand how what that does to your brain and how it affects your behavior in a negative way. Negative in, negative out. That's all you have to know. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that said, uh, how do you feel then about what's going on on social media these days? Because with social media, um, you know, there's echo chambers all over the show. Um, but I feel like as people are waking up, um, you know, we, we're, we're perpetually bombarded with outrage every single day um, where we know what's going on. We know that this is not adding up. Um, we know of the corruption. We know of the fraud. We know of all of these things. But I feel like when you're getting that messaging, you, you know, in a way you're kind of telling yourself, like, I know now, I know what's going on. But at the, at the same time, there's the sense of helplessness and, and power, powerlessness, you know, and I think that is causing a lot of problems for people people in terms of just their mental anguish um, surrounding what's going on. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, people should know there's a lot more awakened folks and tr- people seeking the truth and justice out there. This is what the censorship is for, too. It's to hack this part of the brain so that you don't get repetitive warriors like myself coming out to tell you what's going on. They're trying to flood the subconscious with repetitive messages that are negative and disempowering. So anything that's empowering and shows that you're not alone when you question the system, those interviews and pictures are being scrubbed. So everything you see, all the censorship on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, it's all about trying to the to basically hack the subconscious and give it repetitive messages that only firm up the narrative. Yeah. So yeah. that it's always, I tell people, it's always behavior modification. Everything you see is behavior modification. Even on your feeds, they have profiles of your particular personality and they're going to try and nudge you. It's called nudging. They're going to try and nudge you into a direction where you feel afraid that you're not part of the herd. You're just going to flood your social media with where they want you to go. And if you're strong, like myself, you see it, it doesn't affect me. Everybody in my area, everybody in my country Mm -hmm. (laughs) knows Mm -hmm. I don't really, uh, I'm not going to take a knee to corruption. And I don't sit on the fence. You know, you're going to have to kill me to, you know, push any farther going ahead. And uh, we need men to be, the men are protectors of the tribe. They've been uh, watered down a little bit, a little feminized. And it's time that we realize it's a program. We're not really that weak. We're not really that scared. Our natural design is a very powerful, ethical, moral, and just uh, spirit. And it's time for us as men to give back that. Yeah. Well, I love that message, um, you know, because a lot of people are sort of echoing uh, that message as well. Um, And I think that's a great positive note to kind of wrap things up on. Um, So I just want to say, you know, a huge thank you for your time today, Jason. I know you're a busy guy. Um, You know, uh, we'll put some links down in the show notes so people can get a hold of you, get in touch with you. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with with me before I let you go today? Um, I, I think you did a great job. I would appreciate what you're doing, giving people a voice and it's good to end on a positive note. And if people want to come see me, I'm on, um, Instagram, I guess, uh, Jason Kristoff, that's Christ with an OFF on the end. And I'm on Facebook. I have, they try to hide my personal page all the time. They'll throw my professional page at 5,000 followers but uh, my my um, uh, my personal page has about eighty thousand people. Try and find that one if you want to get some good information. Yeah, no, I hear you. And um, you know, people have listened to the show for a while and know me. Um, yeah, the same things happened. You know, for the last year, I've I've essentially been shadow banned for talking about stuff that we probably shouldn't talk about. Um, although I think we should absolutely be talking about them, um, because once you go down that road, uh, it's very difficult to come back. Um, so, you know, preemptive strike and uh, prevention, I think, is is absolutely critical at this time, um, especially where we're at right now, which is uh, December, I don't know, early December, uh, a time of recording. So Jason, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the show today. Um, really cool to hang out with you. Um, you know, keep up, keep up the good work, keep up the good fight. And um, yeah, I want to, uh, hopefully people will actually check out the video that you have and that four hour presentation. And then uh, we'll also be sharing some of the links below uh, where people can access your programs and some of the stuff that you, that you got going on. Okay. Thanks, Brett. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. And uh, no matter where you are today, I hope you're having a beautiful day and we'll catch up with you next time.